Hello, hello, and welcome to the Let's Alliance podcast, a safe place for folks who like the movie more than the book. Today I'm with the letterbox loving, Goodreads guru, TikTok tenderfoot, Eric himself. Say hello to the people, Lee. Hello, everyone. Good uh, New Year's to you and to yours. Well, do you have any resolutions for the, the coming year? Yeah, but they're all a secret. I can't, I can't say them or else they'll... Uh, I'll, they won't come I'll true. stop doing them. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of them is to read 16 books on Goodreads, but that's probably the only one I can say out loud because I know it's not going to happen. Well, it's public. I saw that actually. Oh, did you see it? Did you get a notification? Yeah. Well, I said I have anything you do on the social media as I get notified. Okay. That's good. just how I've set up my life personally. <laughs> I feel how like many books did you read? Probably done that. Yeah. How many books did you read last year? Um, I don't think I only read like 14. And I, okay. so I was actually listening to the episode, um, from last year that we did this and you had mentioned that your, uh, work buddy does, does his by year, like how old he is. So I was like, oh my God, that's such a great idea. And then of course I turned 31 last year. So I was like, I'm doing 31. And of course I got nowhere close. Um, but so this year I've, I've hit it, at, I've moved it to 16. So still not what I hit this year, but I feel like it's attainable if I set my mind to it. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to tackle it. I'm just going to go for it. I'm trying to get it all done by December 31st. Yeah. Next year. This year. Yeah. I, I also listened to that previous episode. So, so last year I read 27 books. Um, oh, wow. Which was lower. I read 30 the year before. And then I watched 104 movies uh, oh up from 86 last year. So I, I did a little bit better there. Um, I need Letterbox to do its year end in review. It, it usually sends out like a Spotify wrapped kind of thing, but mm. they they're delayed because it's we're recording this on the second. Um, it's not coming out until this coming Friday, which is the fifth, which is kind of a bummer. Is that how did you hear about that? Was that an email or a tweet? Uh, well, they do it every year, and so the people are there. They really? people ask, yeah, people ask them, and they're like, "It's coming Friday. Just it's coming Friday." Oh, I don't think I got one last year. Maybe I don't use it enough. You, yeah, you might need a certain number of, like, reviews or logs or something for, yeah. for that to happen. I'm pretty inconsistent on Letterboxd. I've been crushing it this past week because I've been preparing for this episode. <laughs> but other than that, the rest of the year, I'm not very consistent on it. But yeah. this year, maybe it might be different. Who knows? Maybe it might be different. Me. So I remember last year saying on this episode that, you know, you got to read short story collections or poetry collections to get the big numbers. I think yeah. I'm amending that. I think what you actually need to do is listen to books on tape or whatever. No, now. She count. I think that's the only way nope. people log a hundred books is if they yeah probably listen to them. I don't you know that I fully like agree with that as a read, but no, it's not. It's not a read. Well, you're not reading. It's not exactly. <laughs> you're so, listening. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it does not count. It should never count. But yeah, I feel like people who put a hundred on their thing is just like it's either a lot. They're either lying or they have nothing to do with their time besides reading, or they're doing a bunch of audiobooks on like Which faster I speeds. I get it if you're if you're busy and you still want to consume audiobooks as content, like that's fine. But like, don't you can't count that as a book that you read. That's a book that you listen to. There should be separate, maybe separate like Goodreads, like audiobook numbers and then reading numbers. Yeah. We have to draw a line somewhere. That's all I'm saying. Let's reach out to Goodreads. Uh, let's table this for, <laughs> after the pod. I think, yeah. I think we yeah. will. Cool. 
Um, all right, so give you guys some context. If you haven't listened to these episodes before, um, we're basically just going to give you our favorite three or top three books of the year, our top three movies of, that we've seen this year, and then our favorite episode. Um, so all the books that we've read can be from any year. Uh, they don't necessarily have to be from this past year. Um, the movies, uh, the rule is that they have to be have to have been released in 2022. And then the episode of obviously is an episode that we both did um, this past year. So those are the rules. Eric, are you ready? I'm ready. I have my list. I'm gonna, okay. I'm going to go first. Um, my number three book of this past year uh, that we both read is called Pachinko um, by an author called Minjin Lee. Um, quite a long novel. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard about it. If you've listened to this pod before, you've, you've maybe even listened to the episode. Um, but it's a great story um, of uh, Koreans who have been oppressed by the Japanese. Um, and it basically spans three different generations of one family and sort of the um, consequences of certain actions and uh, decisions that were made in earlier generations kind of trickle down to uh, the more contemporary generations. And it was really great. Um, you know, I have different thoughts on the show, but the book was book was awesome. Yeah, I agree. That was outside of my top three. No spoilers. But oh, um, I remember that was the first time we had ever done a show on the on the pod, a TV show. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it started with so much promise and we were really into the beginning of it. And then it sort of just petered out by the end. Unfortunately, yeah, there were a lot of yeah, there were a lot of changes made. And I think, you know, we uh, we may be having a TV series coming down the pike here pretty soon, but we may adjust our format because I think um, it's it's tough to do like three to four hours of content um, that you've watched in one episode. Um, but hey, you know, we live and we learn. Um, we get better Eric. each time. That's for sure. Uh, so, yeah, we do try. For me, my number three is a book called All About Me, written by Mel Brooks. I am a huge Mel Brooks person, and I have been ever since I saw Spaceballs for the first time as a as a kid. I think everything he does just kind of perfectly jives with my sense of humor, which I'd like to think is kind of like a, a smartly sophomoric, um, sort of like silly, goofy, I don't know, person. You know, there's wordplay, there's gross out gags that he's known for. Um, he's over the top at times. He's just great. Uh, and if course now that he released this memoir which i think came out in 20 or 2021 excuse me um and it's about his like rise in show business and some of his uh you know pitfalls along the way i had to read it and i devoured it like a group of farting cowboys uh eat beans um <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of like self-aggrandizing hollywood memoirs but i think i'm uh i'm just so in the bag for mel brooks that i, I read this with like a, a fully open heart and it was it was terrific. So that's my that's my number three. Is that like his? Uh, that did he write that? Yeah, yeah. This is autobiography. Yeah, it's not it's not totally like cradle to grave like some of them are, but he did he does tell about his time like serving in World War Two. Um, he mm-hmm. wrote for the Sid Caesar Show, which was this kind of like famous nineteen fifties variety show. He talks about his earliest meetings with like. Richard Pryor, um, Gene Wilder, meeting his wife, Anne Bancroft, who's in The Graduate, all the kind of like, you know, that's cool life life stuff that you want. And he's still kicking. He's in his like mid to late 90s, and he is, uh, I don't know, still going. I don't think he's doing anything besides writing this memoir, but 
Yeah, I was going to ask, has he done anything recently? No, I think his last movie maybe was in the early 90s. Okay. And that's mm-hmm. been kind of it. But even then, he would have been, been... Yeah, he would have been, like, in his 60s. Like, mid-60s. Yeah. Yeah. Chilling Dang. on his uh, piles of space balls, blazing saddles money. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, I've never really got into Mel Brooks. I've seen some of, like, maybe two or three of his movies. And it's funny. I don't know, I've just never really jive with it uh, personally but i'm glad that you did and i'm glad you're able to read his you know his memoir yeah well that's sad for you will i'm sad for you maybe yeah. one day we'll do it on the pod <laughs> we could we could do that um okay cool so number two for me is um a book i read uh, over the summer called what i talk about when i talk about running by haruki murakami um, and I have to put in Murakami every year. That's just how it, how this goes. But basically, this book is about um, Hergu Murakami's uh, his sort sort of his relationship with running um, as a daily activity. Um, and he's a person who is uh, incredibly routined. Um, so he incorporates how running is very similar to writing a novel, especially if you run marathons and stuff like that. Um, he takes sort of this, he describes how he takes sort of this long view to exercise and health as well as this long view to writing novels, um, and other things in his life. Um, and that regard, it, it was just a really interesting, uh, read because I had no idea. I, I'd heard that he was a big runner and stuff. I had no idea how much of a runner he was, um, and how, uh, just like reading about the similarities of writing as well as running, um, kind of go hand in hand in, in, in a way, um, so it was a quick read. I think it was like 200 and like 20 or 30, 40 pages, something like that. Um, so it's pretty quick. It's pretty easy. Um, yeah, I just thought it was, it was interesting. So that is the, my number two. The odds makers before the episode put out the odds on you mentioning Murakami in your top three. And, I, you know, it hit. Whoever had money <laughs> was on it, that. Was it a one-to-one? <laughs> I, think it was le- I think it was less. I think it was like negative 6,000. I think it was, it, was, it was there. What is your relationship to running now these days, Will? Has it changed after I don't reading have the book? One. <laughs> I don't have one. You, are you inspired no. to run this year after reading that book? Or? Of course, of course. Um, I'm actually reading his most, his most recent one called Novelist as a Vocation. It's inspired me to start writing again. But that probably won't happen. So, um, Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. I don't know. It's, it's funny because I, I feel like a lot of people me included don't really have we have sort of a short-term view of health and getting into shape it's like you know oh beach season is around the corner you got to get ready you know these next few weeks like do these things um so it's just interesting interesting to hear that and um related to writing um so but yeah no no relationship with running more i'm on the elliptical though the elliptical and the bike is, is my jam so save the knees save the knees gotta save the knees (laughs) running is Uh, absolutely terrible for your knees so yeah yeah my number two um is she said by the journalists megan tui and jody cantor this is i think the first time we're a second second podcast episode we're mentioning here um and as always you know check out the, the episode for a more detailed version of this recommendation but the full story here of the weinstein reporting is fascinating and provides a really excellent lesson in investigative journalism sort of from from soup to nuts and bookending this whole Weinstein story is a larger story of sexual misconduct by powerful men, including 
former President Trump on one side and Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh on the other. It's just a big, broad work of nonfiction that I think has was told really, really well by these two women. Um, we saw the movie, we liked the movie, but the book, do not sleep on because it is even better. Nice, I like that. Um, actually, was, I was, wasn't sure what you were going to do with She Said, because I knew you liked it, but I wasn't sure how much you liked it. Um, I'm glad you threw, threw it in there. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to my, my works of journalism that I consume because I think when they're done well, they're really, they really, really like hit a spot in my soul that I like. So a well done journalism book for me gets a big old like green check mark. Yeah, I think you mentioned this on the actual podcast uh, for that episode, but um, you described it so well. It was basically like a peek behind the curtain of how journalists, you know, basically do their job and sort of the obstacles that play out behind the scenes, um, apart from the actual written word that comes from the story, um, which is very cool. Uh, I thought that sort of hit the hail, hit the wow, hit the nail right on the head, but. Um, definitely like the book. Would definitely recommend it as well. Um, I was going to ask you something. I forgot. My my wordsmithing uh, made me forget what I was going to ask you. All this conversation about journalists and you forgot your question. That's the first rule in journalism. <laughs> listen, listen, Always have a, a question but... lined up. Always have a question. They didn't pay me enough for this. So. No, that's fair. Uh, okay, so number one for you, Will. Number one um, is a science fiction book that was sitting on my shelves for probably 10 plus years. Uh, who knows how long, but it's called Hyperion, uh, by Dan Simmons. And this is another one I read kind of right around the same time as I read, um, uh, the Herbert Murakami book I mentioned before. Hyperion is basically uh, a science fiction story, um, about a planet, um, that hosts this mythical, uh, all powerful being called the Shrike. And, the interesting thing about the Shrike is uh, where the Shrike lives on this planet, uh, there are these time tombs, and uh, time actually moves backwards um, as opposed to everywhere else in the universe. Uh, and it's sort of this, you know, this uh, mystery uh, that's uh, plagued this, this universe um, uh, global uh, community, I guess you could call it, of, of planets. Um, for, you know, centuries and probably millennia as well. Anyways, there is this pilgrimage uh, with these six different characters who um, are on this mission to go to the Shrike and find out this mystery because um, the time tombs are basically coming to an end. Um, and it's basically told, I can't remember the, the book, it's, it's told the same way as a specific, um, uh, as a classic uh like folktale where it's like six separate stories and each story is told and then the next story is told the next story is told um so it's just really interesting and really cool um science fiction book that's a lot different than a lot of the other science fiction books that i've read um it was interesting um so yeah nice was it is it like the first of a series is it standalone yeah there's there's at least two um I think there. I think there's three. Um, there's the fall of the fall of Hyperion is the next one, and then I think the one after that is Endymion. They, those could also be like branch off books that might not follow the same uh, follow the same narrative. Might just branch off into something completely different. But it's at least two. 
Um, so that is one on my list for this year to finish. Uh, but it's it's larger. It's like 500-something pages. Um, but it's good. It's it, it was like each – it's funny. It's interesting reading six separate stories for six separate characters. Each story is written a little bit different. Uh, it sort of reminded me of like Cloud Atlas with David Mitchell. Not to that extreme where it's written in different language basically, but it's written in different uh, types of prose, I guess, or styles of prose. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool. I would uh, recommend that. I do think what the is, further we, oh sorry, the I, the further we get from reading Cloud Atlas, the more it's like, wow, that was so good. I can't believe you yeah. did that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's one of those you gotta come back to like years down the road. I feel like it's like not an easy read <laughs> by any yeah. means. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Eric, what is your number one? My number one is a uh, also a larger novel called The Secret History by Donna Tartt. This one is. I don't own it, but I was, you know, thinking about reading it for a long time. I saw it available at the library. I grabbed it. I put off reading Pachinko because, uh, you know, that's my want. Um, <laughs> and it was, I think, the book that made me feel the most things this year. Like, I, I don't I don't usually have such a, a big reaction to reading, um, but it was just, like, so, it, it was just so good that, I couldn't read it fast enough because it made me so uncomfortable so often that I had to put it down and like cleanse myself before I come back. It's sort of like, I don't know, being in a, a weird relationship where like the highs are high, but the lows are low, but like you, you, you find yourself drawn back to it over and over again. Um, and for those unfamiliar, it's a, it's a campus novel that tells the story of a group of kind of eccentric and outcast classics students who try to transcend, transcend their humdrum existence by throwing this like, I don't know, ecstatic bacchanalia um, that goes all kinds of wrong. And uh, they, they leave that moment with this horrible secret that they try to hide from, from those around them until it like kind of destroys their group from the inside. And uh, I don't know, the writing's just so good. The, fraying group bonds between all the people are so like well written so real so awkward the structure is really well crafted because it it starts with this sort of like flash forward and then at the halfway point this like big moment occurs and so you get all this lead up um a flashpoint happens and then there's all the fallout that comes from it and it's I don't know. I felt kind of like beat up by the end of reading it, but I was like, you know, that's the, it's like the only thing that beat me up this year. And so for that, I think I got to go number one. That's really interesting. Um, so it had such good highs, but such low lows that like during the low periods, you were still drawn to get in that high again. I think and what I mean by that is like, I was like exhausted emotionally after reading it that I had mm. like after reading like sections that I had to put it away. Not that it was bad, but just that I was depleted. And I had to <laughs> you like had nothing wait. left. Yeah, I had to wait for my like inner tank to refill, and then I could get Dang. back to it. W- Sorry, what's it called again? The Secret History by Donna okay. Tartt. She wrote The Goldfinch, which was a movie yeah. that came out a couple years ago. This is her it's like. It's a love court. Yeah, that's right. This is her. This is her like big. Um, this is her big work. It's really good. It's it, from like early 2000s, I think, like 01, 02, 03. So this came out before Goldfinch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Gotcha. So this is her like perennial magnum opus or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Who knew? 
you know? When you read yeah. some of, like, the recent classics, some of them are actually good. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's our books. Those are our books. Um, check them out if you ever get a chance. Um, but we're going to move on to movies here. Eric, start us off with number three. Number three, I'm going everything, everywhere, all at once. I had no idea what to expect from this one when I uh, went into it, and I got my wife to come with me by basically saying this is going to be a sort of like funny send-up of multiverse movies, and the only multiverse movie we had seen is the Doctor Strange one. Um, but my wife was like, I don't like multiverses. I don't care. <laughs> and I was like, well, this will be a funny version of that. And it both is a funny version of that, and it isn't. Um, but I think where it really succeeds is in its depiction of this fracturing immigrant family who really don't seem to get each other at all. And through the plot's creative and hyper-fast story engine, the matriarch here gets the perspective to see her life and her family in a different, more sensitive light. Um, and I think overall this movie is just a... It's a movie that'll make you jealous of its idea and cry at the end. And uh, I think that's pretty pretty amazing. Um, so that was my number three as well. Oh, so I have synergy. to agree with you. <laughs> um, yeah, basically agree with everything that you just said. Um, I, you know, you, I'd heard a bunch of things about it. Um, it was in my queue to watch. Um, but I was like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll get to it whenever I can. And then this past week I was just slamming through movies and came across it. And it is like, it's, it's fast paced. And it's all over the place, but it doesn't feel um, heady or like too too like smart for the audience, in my opinion. Uh, it's not like they dumb it down, but or they might dumb it down. I'm not really sure, but it it felt more about a story of like a mother and a daughter than it did about like multiverses and stuff like that. That was almost like the backdrop, and um, it was so fucking creative. Yeah. Um, like it's it like everything about every scene has so many different things that I looked at and was just like like wh- like where do they even get the idea for this um it's just like it's all over the place, but it makes sense um yeah, I don't know i I just haven't really been this like surprised by a movie um in a long time. It's really funny. we should mention that um mm-hmm. and I think the actor who plays the Husband is like a shoe in for best supporting actor at the Oscars this year. Really? And um, I think it just has, I think it's going to be all over the place. So if you haven't seen it and you have HBO Max, I think it's streaming on HBO Max currently. So do your, uh, do your duty and, and check it out. Yes, please do. Um, that's funny. I actually saw that um, I'm pretty sure this is like tipped to be the best picture nominee, at least according to the odds right now. One of them, for sure. Yeah. And I think uh, directing, and I think maybe Michelle Yeoh, who's the lead, is in the running for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the other, her daughter, is in the running for Best Supporting. So that's wow. like five categories right there. Probably Best uh, Original Screenplay, six, plus Below the yeah, Line probably. stuff. It's going to get a ton of nominations. Yeah. Um so I'm sorry, I'm looking at your uh, letterbox now. I'm, I'm peeking. This was oh back in April that you saw this. Yeah, well, I saw it in theaters because I support theaters. Oh, you well. did? That's very nice of you. You should. <laughs> yeah. When I can, I support theaters. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, currently it is seven to one odds, tied with the Fablemans for Best Picture, and then below that is the Banshees of Inisherin. So, pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty wild. Like such a small movie, but hey, a twenty four baby. What can you say? There you go. Drink. <laughs> I think I think the new rule is if Will talks about Murakami or a twenty four, everyone listening needs to. I'm just. Imbibe. <laughs> I just need to get those tattoos on my body. Maybe just on my face, like an A24 tat, face tat. Yeah, Neck A tat under maybe? one eye, 24 under the other eye. Yeah, people are like, oh, like damn, little, what does that mean? It's like a Post Malone vibe. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, identif- I identify with Gen Z, so I think that makes sense. Okay, before, <laughs> before we, we go off on too much of a tangent, um, and actually, <laughs> FYI, Zoom has just let me know that we have 10 minutes left. Um, so, Eric, give me your number two. My number two, you just you just mentioned it actually, uh, the Fablemans. This is the Babylon I wanted to see. This like sappy coming of age tale set against the idea that movie making is powerful and important. And if you're listening, you know your mileage may vary with the inherent vanity that comes with filmmakers justifying their importance by making movies about their importance. Um, but you know, I like it, especially when it's handled with such like care and, and syrupy goodness that Spielberg does here. The kid actor in this, Gabrielle LaBelle, who plays Sam Fableman, is a rock star and elevates this movie, in my opinion, by giving a really empathetic um, performance. But this movie is, is basically like a thinly veiled portrait of Steven Spielberg's growing up in Arizona, mm-hmm. his parents' like unhappy marriage and his birth as an artiste. Um, and I thought it was I thought it was really good. So number two. That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard great things about it. Um, but like me, I don't really support theater, so I'll just wait for it to come on, you know, streaming. Yeah. But uh, awesome. Um, so my number two is uh, an episode that we've done, that we did way earlier this year, we both saw it together, called After Yang. Um, this is the Coconata joint um, that stars Colin Farrell. Um, it's basically about a... Uh, a robot who's basically sort of this house servant who malfunctions and uh, the movie is sort of basically deals with the sort of the loss of like a family member. Um, but it was so good. Um, I watched it like multiple times after that and each time just like learn something new. So um, yeah, I've, like love it. It's the same similar like vibe as Coconut's first movie Columbus, very like Zen and meditative um, not fast paced at all, like, but you never feel like it's dragging. Uh, you never feel like it's too slow. It's kind of just perfect, uh, in, in, in sense of timing and feeling. Um, so yeah, definitely drive with that one. Cool. I need to revisit that. I tried to get the author on the pod and he didn't respond. So I, for obvious reasons of vanity, I left it off my list. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's still a little bitter. Yeah. But if he comes on the pod, then it, it goes in the top three. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll email him. We'll see if he responds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so right. my number, number one, one. Will, is a movie called After Sun. Um, there were a lot of big budget movies this year that came out. So that my first is a quiet, small budget kind of, I guess it's foreign, right? It's Irish. Indie is a little surprising, perhaps. Starring Paul Mezcal as a young father who I think actually turns 31 in the movie. Um, and Frankie Corio as his 11-year-old daughter. The film uh, takes place over a few days at a Turkish resort where the father and daughter make lasting memories. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty haunting tale about memory, depression, what's passed between parents and their children. We're obviously, you know, 31. And so watching this movie with that knowledge, 
kind of like mess me up a little bit. Um, there just is very haunting power and the ending of this movie is especially like uh killer in a very like depressing way. So if you're into uh sadness, I have, <laughs> do I have a movie for you? Um, awesome. So uh, synergy, Eric, that's also my number one. Oh, we didn't share a list beforehand. So this is totally organic. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You know, agree with everything that Eric just said. It actually, like, I didn't, when I watched it, I, I had to basically rewatch it. Um, I just felt like I missed something or felt like, uh, you know, I didn't understand. And so after watching it again, um, I was like, oh, okay, I see. I get it. Um, and yeah, it is sort of, it's about this, this father and his daughter on this, on this vacation. And you get these little bits and pieces about their lives and it sort of unravels sort of at the end, um, in a way that's a bit ambiguous. I would, I would argue, um, about his maybe demise or his, his, his ultimate, um, fate, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's one of those movies. It's like show, don't tell, um, showing like the least amount of ways possible uh, and don't overshare basically uh, that like when I realized it, it just really hit me. And I'm sure you did too. Um, there's a, wow, that's pretty powerful. Um, and it's, you know, it's actually uh, produced by Barry Jenkins. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. Don't walk into a rave. That's the lesson from that movie. <laughs> Be wary of raves. Yeah. So definitely recommend that one. Um, all right, so two synergies. I like this. Yeah, we're the same person basically. We've been doing basically, this together. Yeah. We've been doing this too long, I think. Yeah, <laughs> our tastes have molded together. Eric, give me your number one episode that we did this year. Yes, so we we released fourteen. So uh, if you're interested at all, check those out. My number one, and don't say this in a theater, will, but it's Macbeth. It was such a good time on the <laughs> mic. It was our first quote unquote after dark episode, which basically just meant we drank before we recorded and we drank while we recorded but I listened to it this morning and it was uh I think really enter- not to toot our own horn but I thought it was pretty entertaining <laughs> for the subject matter and how we handled it and you know the approachability and all that um when I went to New York recently there was a, a show called Drunk Shakespeare where they I think drank and recited Shakespeare and I was like you know basically that's what we were trying to do and uh I think we did it pretty yeah. well so Macbeth is my number one the ultimate it's the lens of 2022. That's true. Um, awesome. That was, that is, so no synergy here. Mine's a bit different. But uh, I do vaguely remember that episode. Um, I probably have to rewatch or sorry, re-listen to remember everything. But um, I may have been a bit inebriated uh, while recording. But who knows? Who can say? Um, so for me, my number one episode that we did this year was the greatest beer run ever. So... Uh, both, I guess we both kind of like the book, um, and then we both kind of dislike the movie. But the reason I enjoyed that episode was because um, I just thought it was a really interesting conversation about how, about why that movie was bad, um, and why it could have been so much better, and why there were so many like missed opportunities from the movie, that it just like turned out to be a really great conversation that, you know, you know, a movie like that is, is instantly forgettable, right? It's like, that will not be on anybody's top 10 list for the end of the year. It will kind of drift into oblivion. But I felt like after that conversation, I learned more about 
um, what makes movies good um, as opposed to like um, just forgetting it basically. So I feel like it holds a special place in my heart for that reason. Um, I'll never watch it again, but uh, I may listen to our episode again. Yeah, that was actually my number two. So we weren't as far away as you might think. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Good, good. Um, That was also an After Dark episode because I bought a 24-pack of PBR to do some social media promotion, and we had some of those during the recording. And a a really great TikTok, I must say. Yeah, yeah. That's the gift that that kept giving. Yeah. It yeah. still will, I think, into the new year. We'll see. Um, I know we only have two minutes left, but I did want to ask you one one final thing. What are you? What movies or books are you like most excited for this year? Um, oh man, I I don't movies. I have no idea. CBD. I'm not a. I, I don't. I'm not like part of the Oppenheimer hive. You know, what? I'll get to it when I get to it. I'm not excited wow. for it. I'm, t- I'm tired of anticipating things, Will. I would just like to consume That's a them to lens when, they, when they arrive. We're yeah, doing well, that, it. We're like, we're going to do it. Isn't it like an 800-page biography? Yeah. No, take, it up, take it up with my agent. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I kind of, sometimes reading, I, I plan it out, and sometimes I just kind of look at my Libby app, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to read that. Add to, add to my, like, queue. Gotcha. No Killers of the Fire Moon or... Oh, well, probably. That's probably going to be an episode, right? I got that lined yeah. up. Okay, good. All right. I'm just interested in, in reading um, and watching some stuff, you know? Being a good co- pop culture consumer. Yeah, you, I feel like you don't really... You're, you're more go with the flow. You don't really, like, plan it out. It's like, oh, this looks good. Let me, let me, let me check this out. Yeah, because every day I'm different, you know? I wake up and I'm different than <laughs> I was yesterday. I keep L-I-V-I-N, you know? We move on. We get better each day. <laughs> awesome. Um, and as Zoom lets me know that we have less than a minute now, um, we've got to wrap it up. But thank you, Eric, for your top threes. And um, looking forward to 2023 with you. Um, and we'll see where this takes us. But, um, thanks for listening. Eric, do you have any shout-outs or last words? No, just happy, happy New Year, everybody. Um, be, be safe. Be healthy. I don't know. Be good. And there you have it. Thanks, y'all. Bye.